Hey everybody, it is Adam and Shelly back with another Marketing Monday. Shelly is no longer in the pallet prison. I broke out! <laughs> but I am still in my wonderful, wonderful office. And we have this wonderful human being with us today called, her name is, not called, sorry, Jessica Rooney with Dakota Snow and Sub-Zero. And Jessica has a couple of um food trucks you've, you've got quite a quite a lot going on so would you mind introducing yourself and letting people know like who you are what you're doing and how you how you got into this sure so um my husband and i own two food trucks both of them are dakota snow um they bounce around we do caterings we had one out at thunder road all um summer long um we also have a stand in the premier center those do shaved ice and scooped ice cream. Occasionally we do rolled ice cream. We also own Sub-Zero Desserts, which is shaved ice and rolled ice cream. Um, honestly, the whole thing started from I was born in the South and we call them snow cones there, but I quickly found out that snow cones in the North are completely different. <laughs> Damn Northerners. <laughs> I um, was... I lived here for like three, four years when my husband and I met and, you know, we, uh, pregnancy made me want snow cones and he, there was nowhere to get one. We were at the circus and he got me one, which was when I found out that snow cones are not the same everywhere. That was definitely truly a snow cone, crunchy, not goodness. And so we just started toying around with the idea. And at the same time, my husband had never had shaved ice. So he didn't know what I was talking about when I said I wanted it. So Man, why did you guys even get married in the first place? I know, like, right? If you have so many differences, like, I don't know if I could have overcome that. So I took him, we were in Oklahoma one summer, just visiting family. And I took him to one of the stands that did it the way that I kind of like it, where you put ice cream and whipped cream and all kinds of junk all over it just to make it extra fantastic. And he could not believe it. He loved it. And literally on our drive home, we bought one of the machines and started like planning it out. Yeah. It was it was for at home. It was for at home use. Let's be right. real. <laughs> there was no business plan behind it. Yeah. <laughs> we just started moving forward and looking at it. And he's like, okay, let's do this. So we thought we'll wing it, see what happens. And it's just kind of grown every year. Got it. Okay. So you had said, uh, you had mentioned that earlier that um you started off with one business and then it kind of went into another business like as in like you added on so could you explain like what you started off with first and then so we started with the dakota snow trailer um and we quickly found that with a food truck uh, mobile business you are booked a lot um you've got caterings you've got festivals you you're bouncing all over the place but you also have your people who want to see you every day and they want to come get a treat. And so we got to this point where it was kind of a breaking point. Like, what do we do here? How do we make ourselves available? And that is kind of where Sub-Zero spawned out of this. We also knew we wanted to start rolled ice cream. We we're kind of the first to bring rolled ice. And then we were the first to bring rolled ice cream to Sioux Falls. Um, and then we flipped our name just to give us a little bit more, I guess, wiggle room on what we serve. Um, Dakota snow definitely implies snow, which is what the consistency of our shaved ice is. And so we flipped it to Sub-Zero to kind of encompass the rolled ice cream and frozen treats that we do for that one specifically. <clears throat> Interesting. So real quick, real quick story on my part. I actually had a buddy of mine who 
approached me a couple of years ago with the idea of doing um, rolled ice cream. He's like, I went to Arizona. It's this crazy thing. And I think it would be awesome for South Dakota. And I said, hey, man, that sounds great. Do you want any advice on like how to start it and everything like that? And I said, this might not be correct, but the way that I now understand that he's got no capital, he's got no food experience, he's got none of that, right? Um, Jake Moore, if he's watching, this is this was his idea. But I said, the way that I typically look at these things is how do you how can you start it off with as little capital as possible? And then it just builds on top of itself. You just basically the business just pays itself as soon as possible. Can you run this out of your house? Can you start it out of your house and like do this? And I don't know why I never really thought of like food trucks, but food trucks would be one. But then you have um, you have to ha go by the um, health and food guidelines and stuff like that. And I was like, do you have any idea what those are? And he goes, no. And I was like, okay, well, that's a pretty important thing. Like if you don't follow this stuff, like you get shut down. And I know a little bit about it from working in like the restaurant business a little bit, but like I hated doing those ice cream machines. Like there's so many freaking parts to them. And then like, it almost always seemed like by Friday, it was just nasty in there. Like you have to keep on top of that stuff. And so I said, so the, basically the way that we ended that was, I think it's a fantastic idea. And I said, I just don't think anyone's going to give you money because you have somebody who has no management experience, no food experience, no rolled ice cream experience, and <laughs> to start a business. Like, if you can figure out a way to start it off um, just yourself or selling it out of your home or like however that works, I said, and then you can prove the concept works, totally different situation, right? Then it's just a matter of like scaling it, which it seems like, you know, that's kind of where you're at right now. Um, so I think that's pretty neat and cool that a couple of years ago I was talking to somebody about this and then all of a sudden and then somebody, but that's the way it goes. People talk about ideas, right? And then someone executes on it and then some inevitably you're going to have someone that comes up to you at some point and be like, you know, like 15 years ago, I had the idea. Of doing I had it, the but, idea. But yeah. you, you took it away from me. And it's like. We got that a lot when we first started our shaved ice stand. People, and it was implants from the South most of the time that were like, I was totally going to do this. Yeah. So <laughs> why didn't you, Billy? <laughs> we just jumped. We had done it at fairs first and saw how popular it was and personally how good it is. Um, and so we just took the leap and did it. At a girl. And with the snow cone stand too. So for everyone, everyone watching right now, if we can just go ahead and give Jessica a clap for just saying, you know what? F it, we're just going to do it. Like, we're just balls in. Well, um, I mean, in this case, it's not balls in. I apologize. It's just a phrase. <laughs> Both feet in. Yeah. That is what entrepreneurship is, though, at some point. Like, at some point, you've got to stop planning and just do it. Like, you can't be afraid to make mistakes. You can't be afraid to fail. And you just got, I mean, you need to be smart about it, obviously. Like, you don't want to, like, crash your family and dump your entire life savings if you don't have a plan of how it's going to work and whatnot. But yeah. I mean, at some point you just got to try it and you just got to see if it, if it works. And yeah. So I'm super curious. So like, did you guys have before prior to Dakota snow, did you or Matt have any former entrepreneurship experience? Does it run in your family? Like it, what in you was just like, do it. I have no idea. I have 
a brain that doesn't stop. I'm one of those people. So, cause on top of that, I homeschool my kids. I teach dance 20 hours a week. Oh, of course you do. I mean, why wouldn't you, right? <laughs> it's like we're one in the same person here, Adam. <laughs> um, and it just, I mean, we've kind of always just been the type that like, we want something, we do it. I mean, obviously there was planning. I can remember the first year we did it. Our annual payment was so tiny, but I remember thinking, all right, I'm going to set aside this much every month to make sure we can make the payment at the end of the summer. Well, we made it in like two weeks. And so like, I mean, it was a tiny, tiny payment. It was next to nothing. Um, but yeah, so we, I, I don't know what it, what it is. I think I'm just one of those people that I probably have too many things. <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. I've never experienced that feeling before. Yeah, you're talking to two people that have really no idea what you're oh. what you're going through. <clears throat> right, right. Okay. Um, so before the show, we Shelly, wonderful, wonderful woman that Shelly is, asked you some questions in our little private chat, and um, just asked you like what is on top of mind for you about coming onto the podcast and some some suggestions for content. And I think you asked some really great questions here. So the first one that we're going to go over is staying, staying relevant without overdoing reach, adding too many products. So can you, uh, can you kind of expand off of that question a little bit? Right. So this year, especially. So we started with shaved ice, then like our snow cone stand has gone through shaved ice. We added hot chocolate. At one point we added mini donuts at one point. We did hand scooped ice cream sandwiches and like it's all wound up back at shaved ice and scooped ice cream. The rolled ice cream stand when we first started was rolled ice cream, acai bowls and coffee. Um, it scaled back down last year to rolled ice cream. And then this year we added like snow shakes to the, or rolled ice cream and shaved ice. Um, here we added snow shakes. And it's, it's just always because my brain is always going, it's like, what's that next thing we can bring, but still keeping it relevant and not over the top. There's only so many, especially in a shipping container, you only have so much room and ability to do things. But I find myself constantly like trying to not necessarily keep up, but stay in front of yep. what's going to be big next. Like, how do we keep ourselves relevant so that the public wants to be so for, can I ask a question before we answer that, Adam? So Please. for a little bit of background into that, can you explain to all of us where where both of them are located? So we're not talking Premier Center here. We're only talking um, the shave. We're only talking Dakota Snow and Sub-Zero. So where does Dakota Snow primarily operate from? And what does that client base look like? And then same with Dakota Snow or okay. Sub-Zero, I mean. So Dakota Snow, um, the one part, so Dakota Snow is actually two parts now. So it's got one part that sat at Thunder Road. So that clientele is going to be there no matter what. The other clientele of Dakota Snow is when we're not at festivals, we want to do caterings. We do birthday parties and businesses and stuff like that. So we go to people and we do rolled ice cream or shaved ice that way. Um, so that clientele is going to be different. I mean, we like the big bookings. We don't want to just take the trailer and pop it up because that's not the ideal setting um, for that one, unless it's a big event, a big festival, or our business has asked us to come serve people. Uh, Sub-Zero, 
is I, I mean, I don't know how the public looks at it, but I like to think of it as the neighborhood ice cream shop. Um, people come up, they come to us, they know we're there, we have set hours, we're not gonna just disappear one day. Um, and it, with the setting that it's in, especially on 41st Street where we have it, it's very much like kids walk over and get treats and families you know, come in the evening and do their thing and it's a big family experience. I think, and high schoolers, high schoolers love it. Okay, so. <laughs> Deep breath. Yeah, there's a lot. I, I think, I know, I know exactly what you um, are talking about and what you're kind of going through. And I'm going to preface this by list, um, talking about a podcast I listened to the other day. And it was the co-founder of Lyft. Now, Facebook, Lyft, any of these bigger companies, when they decide to bring out a new feature, they don't typically just full on roll it out to everyone and say, here you go. They will test it in smaller markets first, right? So what I would do is, first of all, my first question to you is gonna be, do you have a list of prior customers that you can email, text, or um, anything like that? Yes and no. We keep contacts through um, messengers and emails and stuff like that, but we don't have a running um, customer base. Like okay. That's, that's, that's me personally. That's the first thing I would fix straight away is, is doing that. That way, when you're going to be somewhere, if you're going to be at a festival, if you're going to be somewhere, you email that thousand, 2000, um, client list and you let people know, boom, now, you know, it'll increase your traffic by, let's just say 10% or something like that. But number two, what that allows you to do is anytime you do think about bringing on a new feature, you can say, hey, we'd really love for you to stop by uh, this time, this day, and test this out and see if it's something that you think that we should bring on. And then you, your people who already are big advocates of your business can tell you whether or not it makes sense for you to bring it on. Because if they don't love it, what's the chances that it's actually really all that worth bringing it on, right? Uh, you can make the argument that you're trying to reach a whole different sector, right? But that's it's just way easier to bring on products that your people are just going to like really shout and say, hey, we, this is awesome. This was a great idea. Um, number two would be, I would pick going into, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm going to assume that this next six months, you're basically kind of like laying low, getting game plans ready for next spring through fall, right? So what I would do is I would say, you know what, we're going to pick three products. And we're going to give these three products six months to incubate and to see if they're worthwhile. And the way that we're going to do that is every time we go to a festival or somewhere where it's generally a new population of customers, you're still going to have some people that are there that are your old customers, but it's, it's generally it's just all brand new customers, right? And you're then going to push these three products somehow onto them to get feedback from them. And the way that I would try to do that is I would, I would me personally to try and make sure that this new product is really going to take off. I would almost do some sort of discount for a review of that product so that anytime someone comes up and says, no, I just want shaved ice. You're like, no, you don't understand. I'm going to give you 50% off on this. You write me a review, Jimmy, because that's what I freaking want. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Or you have sample cups off to the side or, or, or like there's, there's a ton of different ways that you can do it. Right. 
but if you can capture their information, their data, that's like the, that's the biggest win, right? But then if after three months and you go to six festivals and everyone's like, I mean, it's good, but I just don't know if it's like your guys's thing. Like if you're trying to serve French press, I um, French press coffee out of a snow snow cone stand, like people may, might be like, I mean, hey, I get it, but like everyone loves coffee, but I just don't know if it makes sense for you. Then you just kind of like okay, we can either start a whole nother truck where people, where there's a coffee truck that goes around and serves coffee, which I don't even know if that happens, but by the way, you should probably look into that. <laughs> I had uh, that idea, Adam. Oh yeah. Well, of course you have. Okay. Well then just go off and do it. Um, uh, then do we start up a whole nother truck? That's just this thing. Right. And you can make those decisions, but it's always better I always like making those kinds of decisions with data that backs it up. People are either going to love it and um, they want it to be a part of your brand. They love it. They don't want it to be a part of your brand or number three, they just, it, it's like, eh, it's okay. But if they're not shouting from the rooftops about it, I just wouldn't even bother. Like it's going to take way too much energy and time to try and bring something on. And there's kind of this old saying in business. Um, I think it's something along the lines of like, 20% of your products makes 80% of your sales or something like that. Like everybody wants to do this where they bring on a whole bunch of different products, but in all reality, <clears throat> your shaved ice and your rolled ice cream and like your core three or four items, that's, what's going to make all of your money anyways. Um, it's just these kind of like nice to haves that are off to the side um, that are, you should always be looking for. It's never a bad idea. You should always be testing new things, but that's me personally. That's the way I would go about it. So I'm going to kind of come back to what Adam touched on real lightly. And what do you currently collect for, or what do you use for data in the off season? So all summer long, so you guys have this year, you had a little bit longer season because of COVID. So from April through September, what do you guys collect as far as data internally in your sales system. So whatever you're using for a POS, will it tell you how many cookies and cream, rolled ice creams you sell, blah, 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 blah. Like, does it give you all of that information? We do. We have all of that. We know exactly. I mean, with the exception of when the kids just pushed whatever button. Yeah. Um, for the most part, as far as specifically Sub-Zero, yes. The mobile trailers, no, because it's such a fast pace. Mm -hmm. Push buttons. But those, like, Sub-Zero is where we grow our products anyway, not as much the mobile, quite as much. So what I would say is you now have, so you have five, six months of off season, but I think there's lots of different ways that you can do that. But to me, like I'm a total data nerd when it comes to products and SKUs and all of that kind of stuff and understanding what's my profitability on this SKU? What's my sell-through rate on this SKU? What's my, like all of those things. Like it's one thing to know how many of something you sold. Like you can sell 5,000 cookies and cream rolled ice creams, but if you're only making 20 cents a piece, like what it, you're paying more to have it for the kids to make that than it is for you to actually do something with it. So I think knowing all of that information in the off season and taking the first 60 days or whatever to really like super overanalyze. And if that's not you or Matt's gig, then finding somebody that that is their gig to really go through and super spreadsheet all of that out so that you know exactly what your cost of goods sold is for each one of those items. So you can know if what you're currently doing is making you money, first of all. And then expanding on that, and once you see, okay, this line of products is very 
profitable. So rolled ice cream makes us $1.50 a cup or snow cones make us $3 a cup. And not saying you shouldn't do something just because it's not super profitable, but understanding, okay, this is how much we should expand on this or offer more options on this or whatever, because you know you're gonna be able to increase profitability. And then the next step on top of that, I think, is you have this whole off season where you can really build relationships with people. You can build community, right? Like people love Dakota Snow and take advantage of all of those people who are like super sales. So use the data that you have in your computer, which I don't know for sure how much data you collect because I don't remember being told, like, I don't remember like registering or anything in your system when we've been there. So I don't know how you would necessarily know that unless you have like credit card tracking data that shows like I use my credit card 50 times at your place this summer, which I probably actually did. But, you know, if you have that kind of information, but that might be something for you guys to really expand on going into next year if you don't um, have that for people to, you know, the, all of those simple reward systems that you can just put in your phone number and now you can track everything about that customer to know that customer purchased this, they purchased this much each time they come, blah, blah, blah. But my gut, it tells you that you probably know at least 10 or 15 or 20 people that are regulars at Dakota Snow over the summer. So why not set up something over the course of the winter of like three product testers, like brand ambassador nights, where basically like you and your team have come up with, these are the 10 new products that you're thinking about for next year or new flavors or whatever it is, and set up some sort of like VIP nights where basically they get to come and they're gonna try and give feedback on all of these things and now you guys have all of this data from some of your best customers who you know are loyal to you. You're not having to take all of that stuff into next year and try it when you're trying to rebuild your customers again, but you can take that feedback all winter. I feel like a super awesome person because I was picked as a VIP to be able to come and, and be a part of that experience. And it's gonna increase your visibility and your customer relationship building next year because now you have these super people that are really gonna go out and and promote you going forward because you've made that their experience that much more awesome now. Okay. I already have a name for them. I'm going to need you to grab a pen and paper. Write this down. <laughs> You're going to call that VIP group super zeros. That's, oh, that's the name of it. <laughs> nice. So the superheroes. Yeah. Super, super zeros. Nice. All right. Well, class is in session. What is up? We came in strong for this one. All right. The next question that you had was new reach outside of social media. My first question to you is why? I feel like there should, I am five or six years into this and you would not believe how many times people go Dakota what? And I'm That's a good thing. Don't look at that as a negative, Jess. We're going to tell you why. I feel like every time that happens, like there's a little part of me that got stabbed because of how <laughs> I try to put my reach out there. Like we do so much. We try to do a ton in the community too, like just outreach type stuff during the summer, just to not just, I mean, we love kids. And so like we're out trying to do stuff with kids and whatnot. And I do that too, to help grow our, our knowledge. And maybe, I mean, maybe the issue is that we're with kids and not the parents. Um, <laughs> uh, but like when we run into that, you know, Oh, I've never heard of you or, Oh, there's rolled ice cream in Sioux Falls. Oh, there's real shaved ice in Sioux Falls. 
well, where is that? And I'm like, well, we've been here. <laughs> so my, my first question to you is, do you ever do that? Like, do you ever get told about a new product somewhere or a new thing? Like somebody tells you about, I'm going to take, for example, hot air balloons. Did you know that we had a hot air balloon until two weeks ago? Not. And that's not a bad thing. So what I'm, what I'm getting at is people are always discovering. I think part of the feedback from that is when somebody says, I didn't know you were here. The first thing that you should say is how did you hear about us now and collect that data to find out what tricked or like what got them to find out about you now because if it was because of some sort of advertisement or whatever then great but my 90 percent of the people that find out about you it's not about advertisement it's just about word of mouth right wow. yeah and word of mouth takes time and so right the more the, the and that that kind of tells you more about building relationships than it does about just trying to reach out and do as much community outreach and whatnot, because you can do a ton of community outreach and just because somebody knows about you doesn't mean they're gonna tell other people about you. But yep. when you build a relationship, they're gonna tell people about you and that's how you gain momentum. And I personally, if I can be critical for a, just a moment, like go I think it. Go for the throat. <laughs> you, I don't do that, you do. <laughs> the piece, of, I think the one piece that you're missing, Jess, is that it's that building community part of it. So like you guys are strong on social media and you guys do a lot, but there's not necessarily a personal connection to it there. So like when people see you out in the community or see Matt out in the community, do they know that you're the Sub-Zero lady? Do they know that you're the Dakota Snow people? Do they know that you're, do they know your story? Do they know that you're a homeschooling mom of five kids who does whatever? That's what builds your community and that's what builds those relationships is when you turn into a real person. Okay. And I think that is something that you guys could really work on over the winter and start building that community. Yep, totally agree. Um, the thing I'll add to that is um, you don't have enough money to reach every person in Sioux Falls to make you to make them aware of you. Get right. you 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 don't. Um, Nor do you want to. No, like, you don't. You don't. Not everybody has to be your customer. No. So. Um, actually, because I'm wearing this shirt today, I'm going to just very quickly use this as an example. Um, the, going back to the super zero thing, and I'm going to just stick with that name because I think it is fucking awesome <laughs> if I do say so myself, but imagine if you were to find those 25 to 50 people that are super zeros of your company, they are the loudest advocates of it. They will do anything for it. Like you might think this is crazy, but it's absolutely true. When I had my detailing business, um, Adam Huber's Detailing, I had these shirts and some hoodies made. And my really only my, my only qualification was I wanted them to be really nice shirts. Like I just like I wanted to wear them every single day and, and really nice hoodies. Well, I ordered some surplus and then decided to sell them at a at a discounted rate to people just to basically get them off of my shelves, right? Like I, I didn't really, I wasn't launching a clothing brand or anything like that. Well, what ended up happening was um, all these people ended up buying it and supporting me and then messaging me and saying, hey, when are you going to get this stuff back in? These are the best, most comfortable shirts I've ever worn. And now what was happening was you have these people walking around with my logo on, 
um, their shirt walking around. And whenever someone would stop and ask them about it, they'd be like, okay, first of all, feel this shirt. It is the most comfortable. It is the most legit shirt there is out there because it's so soft and comfortable. But then they just go on and say a little diddly about me, right? But now that person that they've talked to, I stick out in their mind because of, well, mostly for the wrong reasons because of the shirt. But then, then they check you out, right? And then they're like, oh, you know, I kind of want to get my car detailed. And then they see my prices and they're like, never mind. I didn't realize I needed a second mortgage on my house. But it's not a bad thing to do. Um, to The question is a good question. New reach outside of social media. The only problem with that is, is it's exponentially more energy and more time to try and do something outside of social media. Um, even though you should be looking for opportunities like that, I'd say festivals are absolutely worth your time, a hundred percent. But how do you capitalize on that festival, um, that festival crowd, right? There's gotta be a way to activate those people to get them to go and talk to other people and say, Hey, you gotta go check out this shaved ice lady. Like this is the most amazing thing ever. Um, and that doesn't really it can come from great product, but a lot of times it's because you've like gamified it somehow. And I don't know who a great person would be to talk to about gamification, but there are some brilliant people in Sioux Falls that if you were to say, what would I have to get for you at a festival to spend an hour going around talking to people about how amazing the shaved ice was that you just had, or to get them to come back to my booth. There's people that just love to figure that kind of stuff out. Um, I don't know if I'm that type of person, but that's 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 reach outside of social media right but then you also then use social media to then talk about that thing that you did um and make it a bigger deal than what it was like it, social media is more of a megaphone than it is like anything else it's it's just supposed to be an amplification of something that you're already doing is it's kind of the way that i look at it it can also be the billboard on the side of the road where it's just like hey we're here like just go that way a couple of miles and then that's where we're at, you know, but social media is way more effective when it's a me megaphone. Yeah, I think part of the thing to remember with social media too is if, so what are you currently doing for social media? Let me back up just a second. Like, let's tell everybody what your current strategy is, where you're at and how you utilize it. So we are very Facebook heavy. Um, working more towards becoming more Instagram heavy, um, at least a, I, it's settled down right now um, because it's off season. We're just trying to do posts every few days right now of different things. Um, we do a lot of the, I mean, we post daily different things. And during season we'll have Facebook and Instagram specials. Um, we will do giveaways, that kind of thing. Um, I think we're sitting around 7,000 ish i think um i can't remember off the top of my head i don't have it in front of me nice. um, but uh, just that kind of stuff we try to get feedback from people um it's not always the greatest as far as like getting people to respond to it um sometimes I, the thing i wouldn't think people would respond to gets responses so right. it's you don't ever know i feel like what's gonna get finally that hit nope you know, I started seeing or thinking about at the end of the year, which was too late, kind of something on what you touched on, Shelly, um, maybe doing weekly 
Meacher, we started calling ourselves Burristas, like Burr. Um, ah, yes. nice. Yes. I've, I've started kind of toying around with the idea next year of Meacher Burristas and doing mm -hmm. the so-and-so. She's, you know, like your kiddo, she's, you know, at this school, she does this in her off time type of thing. This is her favorite treat here. That kind of thing. It just, I, I thought about it too late. Mm -hmm. And so now it's kind of over, but maybe during the off season, that's something I could do with me and Matt specifically. And even, you know, our kids pop up in there sometimes. So it could be even meet Tristan, the, your friendly 12 year old who sometimes is running the register. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I think, so I want to jump back and connect the two. So what, who did you remind us who you said your customer was like, who's your, your target ideal customer? Um, families slash high schoolers. <laughs> and do you think that what you're currently using for your social media platforms and your social media strategy is the best social media way to reach those two target markets? Where do you think they're at? What social media do you think they're using? So moms, I would say Facebook. Mm -hmm. um, high schoolers, Instagram and TikTok, but I suck at TikTok. So I have not figured out how to utilize that well. <laughs> Adam, I opened the store for you. Please walk through it. <laughs> this is exactly where I was going. Oh. I, oh, I mean, I teach high schoolers at the studio all the time. I know that they are on TikTok 13 hours a day. Um, I just haven't figured out how to utilize it as a food other than we're posting videos of rolled ice cream. So, well, and I think for me, so, in full disclosure, my daughter worked for Jessica this summer, but I think, you know, you guys did a great job of going live on Facebook and doing, showing like, this is how we make the chunky monkey. This is how we make the whatever. And I, I think they were sometimes probably an afterthought for you, but especially in this off season, what you could do is spend some time taking all those, downloading those videos off of Facebook and turning them into TikTok videos so that you could very easily just have those lined up to start posting and create a whole series of vote on your favorite, whatever, and start and get people excited to go try all the, you know, flavors or whatever you guys call them. You guys have some program or something, don't you, where people can like try all the flavors or something and they get some sort of a- One family did it. It was a yeah. lot. They got through all of it. So, I mean, but how cool would that be if that was a challenge for everybody, you know? It's like going around the world at a bar, right? Like, I think we all, remember those days. <laughs> so, you know, I think, but if it was the same kind of thing, if you had some sort of fun, you know, saying to go along with it or some sort of fun program, the kids really would be saving up their $5 each week to be able to go try the next flavor and get their punch or get their, you know, whatever it is um, from the program. But anyway, my point being to that is the marketing that you're using on Facebook to reach moms can't be the same marketing that you're using on Instagram to reach high schoolers. And that can't be the same marketing that you're using on TikTok. And so your strategies have to be completely different. Me as a mom, we I did pay attention to the flavors of the day sometimes. And sometimes we made a special trip down there just because you guys did that. And I could tell as somebody who's into marketing and somebody who is a mom with family, like for me immediately my head is like a dollar off each one of these, holy cow, that saves our family six bucks. Like that's a pretty good, like that's basically like getting one free for us, right? So 
for us, like we would take advantage of that in certain circumstances. And you could tell that you planned those. You could tell, or at least it looked to me like you did, like that you had some sort of a calendar of like the flavor of the day, this day is this and this and this. And you would schedule those posts ahead of time because the majority of them, they went out first thing in the morning and it looked like you had your stuff all together on that. And if you had the same type of strategy moving into Instagram for what you wanted to feature on there and how it was scheduled, and then same thing for TikTok, which one to feature on there and how it was scheduled to appeal to the teenagers, then you're going to make those platforms just as effective as long as it's planned out and scheduled on there. Hmm. So... I like Shelly's idea of downloading the Facebook lives and repurposing for TikToks. I think, I think um, <clears throat> a lot of people end up putting um, too much pressure on themselves when it comes to like creating video content um, in general. When creating video content, like if you really want to make it hard, it can be hard. If you really just want to make it like, I think uh, I was actually um, actually so. Uh, I'll, I'll, uh, sorry that I keep bringing this kind of back to myself, but th it's an example that I, it's relevant to this. Last night, um, or two nights, yeah, last night, I wanted to edit a little bit of video that we just shot in Denver um, earlier this week. And so something I've been doing is anytime I start editing video, I actually will hop on Twitch and start streaming live on Twitch while I'm editing video. Because I have said from the beginning that I don't know why someone doesn't do that. Like if Peter McKinnon or Casey Neistat or anybody was shot a video and then it was like from start to finish streaming that, I would absolutely 100% turn it, tune in because them explaining why they're making this edit here and everything like that. So anyways, this guy was actually watching me edit my video and was asking all sorts of questions. And he was like, you know, how do I, how do I become as good as you are? And I said, well, first of all, I'm not that good, which I'm not. But I said, I think the thing that most people have to get comfortable with is understanding that the first 100 videos that they do are just all going to suck. That's They just suck. Like, you're just getting your reps in. That's it. End of story. Uh, at the end of the day, that's all that there is. Um, you're just going to suck. So let's just get the suckiness out of the way. And then after 100 and 101, we can start looking back and start planning some more. So with TikTok videos... Um, I think like doing a slow-mo of like, I don't know how any of this actually works. So you're going to have to bear with me a little bit, but like the actual shaving of the ice, doing a slow-mo of that, where it's just like, you know, just like someone just shaving the ice or the machine shaving the ice. And that's all that they're watching. You would be mind blown. How many people would just love to hear like the machine or yourself, like actually just scraping the ice. And that's all you hear is just shh, shh, shh. And then you just see like the flakes coming off, you know, whatever it is, the rolling of the ice cream. It could be a 15 second video of just the most perfect rolled ice cream. And it would, could just go, just, it could just go viral just overnight. Um, you just don't know. And so it's dumb to try and even like plan on what's going to go viral or what isn't. But number two, um, I almost wonder Facebook, I absolutely agree. That's that's your market in South Dakota. That's just that's just where it's at. Instagram, you will have some success there, but it's just it's it, Instagram isn't as powerful here as it is elsewhere. Um, why that is, I'm not really sure. But you should be messing around with Instagram Reels, which is the competitor to TikTok. Um, 
and be also messing around with TikTok. But with those, I would just do of like do the simple stuff like here's how to make the hot fudge sundae um ice cream one but what would be interesting is because shelly brought up the whole challenge thing of like getting through all the flavors um just another idea off the top of my head i don't know if this would work at all but it would just be funny as hell would be to come up with some of the most disgusting flavors that you could possibly think of you do have that well yeah, that was it's so funny. I was thinking dill pickle, like literally rolled ice cream over the top of a dill pickle. Like you have a, give a dill pickle. Yep. So yeah. coming up with like like a hot sauce shaved ice. Like you just pour a whole bunch of Tabasco or Cholula in there, right? And then they have to eat it. But you say, like, hey, if you can complete this week's terrible ice challenge or whatever it is, um, you know, you get a free a free ice cream on us or something like that but that kind of stuff is just funny to watch like so the tiktok would be like hey guys we're gonna be doing the terrible ice cream challenge today today's terrible ice cream is cholula ice cream oh my gosh and then this, then you show the little montage of you making it right and then you do the reaction videos to that like people trying it and being like oh my god i don't even know what's in my mouth right now i'm so confused it's hot it's cold it's it's spicy but like cold like they're and you know what I mean? Like they just start freaking out. And it might not be the biggest thing I would say is you might not be the right person to film this. It might be way better to have your kids just do it. And I would just say, like, if your kids are willing to take something like that on, just let them run with it because it takes a whole lot of weight off your shoulders. But I just wouldn't think about it as much as possible. Okay. Um I like that idea. I just I just want to I think you'd be the perfect person to try the first terrible taste. Fuck it. I'll go for it. Hire me. <laughs> All right. Um, so Never thought you'd be an ice cream influencer, did you? I mean, <laughs> there's worse things in this world. <laughs> um, did that uh, Did that help at all, Jess? I... Yeah. It definitely gives me some ideas and things to think about and like ideas of what I can be doing during this off season beyond like we send out a bunch of letters basically to potential during the off season, but this gives me other avenues to work on that aren't just like. So the other thing that I was going to suggest, if 